In this episode, we talk to Emma Swan, Tom Swan's childhood sweetheart and now tragically widow. Emma talks openly about her own struggles watching Tom's battle with terminal brain cancer and how it affected their relationship for better or worse, her moments of doubt and fear, and what life without Tom looks like going forward. Emma's bravery, strength and compassion are just some of the reasons why Tom fell in love with her, and those characteristics are there for all to see in this podcast. Thank you, Emma. Emma Swan, welcome to the Earth Youth Delights podcast. Long time in the waiting. Uh, what's the crack? Um, well, <laughs> I don't know how to, uh, what do you, I don't know how, how to answer you? that. How are you? What's up? What's, what's up with you? What's, uh, what's been going uh, on these past few days? Yeah, well, like I was saying before, I'm off work at the minute, so I'm just, yeah, just trying to keep busy, seeing friends, obviously now that we can do stuff yeah. and just... I'm chilling today because it's been a busy week. <laughs> you had to calm down after all your uh, festival activities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> taking a year off. Now you need to uh, get back to yeah. the group of things. Fair enough, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, not used to it. <laughs> um, for people who maybe, obviously a lot of people who will be listening to this do obviously know about you and um, Tom's story and your relationship. But there, I'm sure there's going to be a few people who are listening in who don't know that, for example, I recorded a podcast with Tom. And for those people who don't know, yeah. I would go back and listen to that one. It's with Tom Swan. Um, go back and listen to that and then come back and play this one uh, just to give you a bit of context. But for those people who may be a bit impatient and they just want to hear you talk, what like why is it that I'm interviewing today? Like, who, What's your relationship with Tom? And, uh, and yeah, just give a bit about yourself. Yeah. So should I just try briefly yeah. tell Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, like, it's a massive, like, long story. Yeah, we'll get into in... the massive long story. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's just, like, obviously me and Tom had been together since we were about 15, um, so nine years. And a few years ago, when we were 21, he was diagnosed with a brain tumour, um, a slow-growing brain tumour, and was given an sort of, like, average prognosis of about, 10 years uh and he had like uh surgery radiotherapy chemotherapy um but then uh, just under three years later so last year actually this time last year was told that it was active again it was growing again and it was fast growing this time mm. so it's like aggressive and um tried more chemo like tried loads of things but obviously passed away in November. So that was like four months after we found out it was growing again. So that's what I mean by it being really aggressive. So yeah. he passed away in November. So he was 24. Mm -hmm. so, and yeah. so, like you said, it is a real long story, but um, to take it all the way back, if I remember, yeah. like, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this stuff, but um, when I recorded the podcast with Tom, he said that, um, like he was before, obviously he got the diagnosis or anything. He was just like suffering with headaches and stuff. And his arm was kind of like hurt or like go a bit like not limp, but just is like a bit just like not normal, yeah. let's say. And, but he was doing the typical, um, blokey thing, which is just to shrug it off and, ah, oh, it's nothing, you know, it is what it is. It's, it'll get, it'll get better, blah, blah. And you were actually the one, um, who was, who kind of forced him to go to the doctors and get it checked out. Um, when, uh, when he came, when that happened and when he got it all checked out and they came back with a diagnosis that it was a slow growing, um, slow growing cancer and a tumor in the brain. How did that make you feel? Like, what was your reaction to that? Um, 
Yeah, so what you what you were saying about what he was actually having seizures and we didn't know because they were so small. Right. And uh, I remember, like, I, I, I would be messaging Tom's mum about it because he'd tell me, like, oh, I've had, like, 10 today. And I'd message her and we'd be like, what should we do in it? And... Uh, it, it was probably it was like me and Tom's mum who like ma- would make him go to like A and E and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, so like he actually went twice. So the first time he went to A and E, like nothing really happened because it it was really really hard for him to describe to the doctors what he was feeling. Mm-hmm. Like we just called them episodes because we didn't really know what they were. Right. So nothing happened, but then they were getting more frequent. So then one night, I think I was at uni, and he went in with his mum. And um, they decided to do a, what's it called? A CT scan. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like you said, some of the symptoms was like a feeling in one of his arms. Yeah. You know, when something's on one side of the body, that's when they start thinking, oh, maybe it's like neurological. Mm-hmm. So um, his mum called me because I think like he was just like obviously shocked and couldn't really speak. And she just said like, oh, they've like found something in his brain. And, like, we didn't really know what, like, I don't think, I think they called it a lesion, but none of us knew what a lesion was. So she just said they found something in his brain, and I was like, okay. And then um, this was, like, one in the morning, and then and then I was just like, I don't know, I think I was just shocked, and then I hung up, and then I rang my dad, yeah. and he answered, and I was just like, you know, and it, like, all comes out. Yeah. He was like, I was just like crying like hysterically and he was like i can't understand you like you need to come out. yeah and then um i don't really know why i rang my dad i think you just did, like do you know what i mean yeah. you just like you kind of like just look to your parents yeah when something like that happens but then i just got like the first train home in the morning and um went to seaman hospital and i think we were for like that first week we still didn't really I still didn't really know what it was mm-hmm. and I think I was a bit like in denial like oh it's it's probably not a tumor but then looking back like what else would it have been Right yeah but then um I'm not even sure when we got like the confirmation like it's it's definitely a brain tumor but I think I just wanted to think like it it wouldn't be but then when we f- realized it was then my thing was like oh well they'll just get rid of it they'll just like remove it right but then like it, it's not really that easy yeah it's not really that simple with it being the brain was that um was that in your mind like oh they'll just get rid of it like that kind of thought process was that you being uber positive or was that you being slightly in denial because i feel when like people get these types of um like diagnosis and and they get told that they have cancer whether it's in the brain or anywhere else in the body i feel like there's always kind of like two camps of people there's always like the person who's like oh like that's it like this is basically a death sentence and and that that they just accept that from the get-go even if they might have a good chance of surviving or getting over it they people just kind of see cancer and they just think death sentence and there's other people who no matter what the doctor tells them they always want to fight on and they always like a real positive and no, we can do this and we can get over this. Like, where did you kind of fall in, in those? Two yeah. Camps? At the beginning, I was definitely like the second one at like the positive one. Right. But looking back, that probably was like me being in denial. Right. Like just, just trying to like find any little positive in what they would say. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when they'd say something like, 
if they'd say, you know, like when they said about the prognosis, I'd be like Googling, trying to find stories of people who would live longer than that. Yeah. Like just trying to yeah. like, yeah, wanting to believe, like almost like not believe them. Yeah. <laughs> not believe the doctors. Yeah. And obviously, um, you know, you've been together since you were 15 and Louise and I have been together since like we were 17. So I always felt like we kind of had kind of similar relationships in the sense of I know what it's like to grow up with that same girlfriend all through basically your childhood and through university and then obviously out of university and you know you grow up together yeah and like I assume correct me if I'm wrong but I can kind of assume that you you guys would have already basically had it planned out that like after uni you'll move in together wherever that may be and then you know a wedding and kids would be shortly after that there's kind of you're so set in your ways and yeah. so stable it's not really a question of if rather than when so with that said how does that when you've got all these plans of this person and and they're well you know they're kind of put in place and probably not just yourselves but you both your families are probably thinking it as well and all your friends are thinking the same thing oh yeah emma and emma and tom are definitely gonna like live till they're 80 years old and that's just gonna be them yeah. from 15 to 18 the, the love story that we all want type thing how does yeah. that when you get told that then yeah he's got a, he's got a cancer and and that the prognosis is basically 10 years and that's being positive it could be less and so on and so forth like what does that do to your dreams do you automatically think ah oh, like this is over or like or yeah how do you kind of, or do you think let's yeah. get it all in before the time is over like what <laughs> yeah that's so that i think that's something i struggled with massively was like cuz i i've always been that person that like would think about the future and I like you said I did think we had it all planned out yeah. like that we'd because we were just about like he'd finished uni I was just about to finish uni we were like going to move in together and then obviously I just assumed that we'd do all the other bits after that and I remember saying to my counsellor like I just feel like I can't I just can't like like you know when you like picture the future uh -huh. I just was saying like I just can't see anything anymore like mm -hmm. it's literally just like a blur like because I don't know mm. and I really struggled with that because I am like such a planner but I'm I'm loads better now like I literally don't even think about the future at all like people will be like where do you see yourself in five years and I'm just like well what's the point in like trying to plan because you don't know like what's gonna happen mm, yeah. and then when it doesn't happen what you want to happen when it doesn't happen you feel like you've like failed so I feel like I don't know you can get a bit caught up in trying to think like you've got your life planned out yeah um, and what you said about do you try and fit it all in and stuff like I think we I think yeah we did have conversations about about that it is so hard because we were like we didn't want to we didn't want to live like he was going to die mm -hmm. do you know what I mean yeah, of course. but then we also didn't want to like miss out on anything mm-hmm but I think I think I think for a while we were just desperate to like go back to normal. Right. Like he was having all his treatment, and then I think we just wanted to be normal. Like we still moved in together because we'd planned to do that, but we didn't want to like rush the other things. Yeah. Um. But then obviously we we kind of did because when we found out that the tumor was progressing, we did get married. Which is, it's such a, sh like, I'm so happy we did it, but it is a shame, like, how it happened, because we we had talked about that 
for a long time prior mm. before we even kn knew the tumor had progressed and he'd said to me the christmas before so like december 2019 he was like i'm gonna propose next year but then obviously in the july that was when we found out right um and then once we did find out we we did discuss like should we like try and have a child yeah and we like i don't know if this was just like panic but we like nearly we nearly did go for like ivf but then we were just like it was causing like too much stress because we knew that he was about to have more treatment and like we didn't know if it was going to work yeah. and we just to be fair like he was so good about it he was just like just do he was kind of like it's up to you and i was like <laughs> well that's a lot of pressure yeah. but like he was just nice about it like not wanting to make me feel one way or the yeah. other but um we decided not to and i am i think i am glad because i i just we just didn't need like that extra stress at the time yeah. and then like sorry i feel like i'm rambling no no, no but, go um, on go on I, I did always used to worry as well that if tom died and we'd like not had children like we always wanted to i'd I'd worry that that would be like my biggest regret, but like looking back, I'm actually glad that we just got the time together. Yeah. I feel like that was the best thing yeah. for us. I, I'm really glad you brought that up. Cause I remember if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, when I did the recording with Tom, that was just kind of after like his first diagnosis and he'd kind of gone through yeah. a lot of the chemo and stuff. And he was feeling a lot better about the situation and about himself and feeling very positive. And then I remember like a few months after that podcast came out, I kind of heard through the grapevine that, oh, like Tom's kind of had a bad, like it, like you said, it's got more aggressive and this, that and the other. And I remember like we would, like the boys were talking, like his friends, um, and we were like, oh, like just, do I mean, like, how should we reach out to Tom about it? Like we don't want it to make out like everyone's gossiping, but we want to know that he, he's that we're there for him and yada, yada, yada. And I remember like the conversation did get on to you. And we were like, we were just and I was saying to the guys, I was like, I don't know. I was like, it must be such a head fuck, this whole situation, because these guys, because I was just putting it in my mind, like like I said, me and Louise, I feel like we have a similar relationship to you guys. And I was thinking, if this was turned around and it was flipped on me and Louise, like, like you said, you've got these plans. We're going to get married. We're going to have kids. We're going to live here and yada, yada, yada. And now you're getting told that that, like, deadline to do all of those things is getting pushed all the way back. So forward, sorry. And it's like, fuck, like, what do they do? Do they have a kid? Because they always wanted to have a kid. But then Tom's going to leave her as not only a widow, but mm -hmm. also a single mother. And, like, I know she'll have family to rally around her and stuff. But at the end of the day, like, she will be a single mother. And, like, I'm sure this was not even in your thinking. But that could also affect her going forwards in terms of, like, partners and future stuff. Because there are people who are like, oh, they want a clean slate. They don't want any, you know anything else and yeah. i was like fuck that must be such a hard decision like what do you do do you just sack off work yeah. and go traveling for the next year or and then i was like yeah, yeah i was like and tom can make all these decisions but emma's got to like live with the consequences of whatever decisions are made like once he's gone she has to live with all yeah. of those decisions and i was like i just can't imagine yeah the state of mind that you guys would have been in and he he like fully acknowledged that as well mm. and was really understanding about that and that's why he never like pressured anything but um you know how you're saying about like being a single mother or like future like none of that really bothered me that much 
the the main reason was just like I, re I really wanted to like because the doctor was like if you do this like it's like a really grueling thing and it's stressful and then if you get pregnant like you'll be pregnant and like I wanted to look after him yeah I, I think we just decided that like, we needed to focus on him yeah his health um and it was the right thing to do because I, I couldn't imagine like because the way things went and how poorly he got I couldn't imagine like me being pregnant or something at that yeah time like it just wouldn't have worked um and yeah I think it was the right thing and what was the thought process in um in getting married because like I know it's a I know it's a substantial step in terms of you know it's the next thing it's the next logical step when you've been in a relationship for so long and but like one person, someone could argue, well, they've been together for nine years anyway. Like, what, what real difference does it make? I know it's a, you're now Emma Swan instead of Emma Soden, but like, what actual difference does it make in terms of their relationship? They're still exactly the same. They still have the exact same feelings for each other, the same love for each other. So, what, like, for you, for you, like, why was it important to get married before he passed away? Yeah, I actually did say that to him because I didn't want him to feel pressured. Yeah. But I think it's just something he'd always wanted to do. And I think, and obviously I did as well. Yep. And it's just, it's almost like annoying because we knew that was coming soon anyway. Mm. And he'd, he'd said he wanted to propose, but obviously, you know, how we went into lockdown and stuff, yeah, he of was course. like, I wanted it to be special. I wanted to maybe do it while we were away, but obviously all our holidays got cancelled. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's something we talked about a lot. So I think we just wanted to make sure that we did it. But um, and I'm glad. But it is just like a shame the way that it that it happened. Because looking back, it was like an amazing day, and I'm so happy we did it. But it was also like the most stressful like time of our lives. Right? Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> Organizing a wedding seems stressful enough, let alone with everything else that you guys had going on at that time. Um, yeah, most of the organisation was done, like, from the hospital, like, literally, like, a couple of weeks before he was in hospital for a week, and I stayed there with him, and, and like, it was mostly me and Tom's mum, we'd just, we'd be sat there, like, planning it mm. in the hospital, it was so weird, and, like, talking to the nurses about it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I was I was gutted that I couldn't make it. Obviously, that, like you said, it was all done during COVID time, so yeah, it was the, uh, that was a bit of a pity. But I know that like there was a good turnout, and I saw like the photos and stuff, and everyone was like that showed up and ma made an effort, which like in the COVID times was hot. And obviously with Tom as well, they had to be extra careful because you know he was kind of in like a delicate yeah situation. Um, but so does it mean like a lot to you going forward now that you are obviously Emma Swan, like having that surname, does that mean something to you going forward? Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that I've done that. Like I remember going back to work and I was like, because I was obviously I've, I was off work from like the whole time he was really poorly. Mm. And then I went back after he passed away and I was like, right, am I going to like be Mrs. Swan now or am I going to like still be Miss Souden because it just felt like a bit weird. I was like, I don't really know if I want to draw attention to it. Yeah. I don't want people like congratulating me. I don't really want like to have, I just didn't know whether to just kind of just slot back in like quietly mm -hmm. and just still be Miss Salden. 
and I decided to do that so I just didn't feel like having the attention on it yeah but then I remember like they were calling me Miss Alden and I was like that's not my name like it didn't feel right yeah so then I was like actually I'm going to be Mrs Swan and it felt it just felt like nice to acknowledge it because I thought I'd rather acknowledge it than like I don't want to like pretend it never happened yeah it's nice to like have that name now yeah to always have that link to what kind of what happened yeah what does it um we spoke before the podcast and uh a lot of people who are listening to this who kind of know of your your guys story from back home you guys were kind of like the uh the poster boy and girl of like what it is to be like a good relationship like i was saying you guys have been together since you were 15 there was never any like or at least from the outside looking in there was never any like real drama it wasn't like you guys were splitting up every two weeks and then getting back together or anything like that stable steady as anything always like just look like from the outside looking in, i'm sure you guys would have had some of your problems and that's like yeah. every relationship but from the outside looking in kind of like the perfect relationship and in the generation that we are now with tinder and everything else and you get all these just ridiculous situations going on like ha- did you ever yeah. kind of realize that and um, or feel that at all like, especially like when things were kind of because I feel as well, it's a weird situation, but when things go like happen like they did with Tom, you things get romanticized even more, right? So your relationship kind of gets put on this even like, because almost, yeah. in a way it's like that Hollywood story of like, oh, you know, you see it in films and stuff. There's one, I can't think of it now, but you see them in films where it's like these guys, they've grown up together and then one of them dies and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's like this tragic romance but like it's made into a film and like that basically was like your life and i was like did that ever kind of did you ever cotton on to that or did you or were you like blissfully unaware we our our relationship was like really good but obviously we did have like it wasn't like perfect like i don't want because you know what social media is like it's not real and like it's important to know that it was not perfect um but it was yeah it was probably like as close as it could get to be fair Mm -hmm. um and i think the last few years probably like 90 percent of any problems we ever had like would always be tom's illness related just because tension was so high at a lot of points and stress levels were so high like that would cause like 90 percent of arguments or like or it would just I think, yeah, sometimes it made us drift and then sometimes it brought us closer together. Like, I can understand how, you know how you see, like, when a couple goes through a big trauma, like, maybe they lose a baby or something and then they end up breaking up. Like, Mm -hmm. I can fully see how that would happen because of the the stress levels. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. does, like, and, like, there'd be times when, Tom would not be feeling great and I didn't always deal with it in the best way like I would you know how I said a bit about me being a bit in denial like mm-hmm. I just would be like not wanting to like hear it mm-hmm. and like that would cause arguments because I just wanted to like think that he was okay like yeah. he wasn't poorly yeah it's just like so complicated but I I feel like if he wasn't ill like we wouldn't have had as many arguments but then maybe we would have argued about like stupid stuff but obviously because we had like bigger things to worry about we'd never yeah the stupid stuff never argue about the stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly did did your relation did your like definition of love change as your relationship with tom 
evolved like obviously through childhood like through your teenage years through uni and then obviously through kind of this whole traumatic like period because i think like a lot of people um the reason I ask is I think a lot of people our age get sold on like the Hollywood scripts and they think like love is just like is you know butterflies all the time and then when you argue you you have like steamy hot sex as a makeup and then like, <laughs> and that's just basically like what like what a relationship is and if it doesn't meet those expectations then something in this relationship isn't working and then that's why they end up breaking up with each other but it's because they kind of had like real unrealistic kind of expectations or definitions of what love is in reality they're just kind of sold on that hollywood definition yeah so i wonder like when obviously when you started out when you're 15 i'm sure it was that like honeymoon period of like pure butterflies and everything's amazing and this that and the other but as things evolved and as you both grew together did like that definition of love change yeah like i would say i would say like our relationship got better mm -hmm. like um it just got better to be fair and when then when we lived together it was just like i can't ex well you'll know like it's just like being 100 percent comfortable like 100 percent trust never really having to worry about cheating or anything like that yeah. but then it's like sticking with each other in the really ugly times uh -huh. like when yeah like when something like that happens because it was so hard like i never fully understood how he was feeling and he never fully understood how i was feeling and it was like i think it was like quite a big lesson for us both to try and be able to like empathize with each other yeah about the whole situation yeah and like and then but then also like he'd worry about me and i'd worry about him and it was just like yeah but i think it's made yeah like the whole thing what you're saying about definition of love like it's made me realize what it feels like to where you would literally do anything for mm. someone like you'd literally die for them because mm. that's how i felt like when it was going on like you'd do anything to make it go away yeah yeah of and that's the frustrating thing is like you feel helpless because it's like actually nothing you can do mm. did do you ever think about um in the future i'm sure you know you're still really young and i'm sure like eventually it might be five years from now it might be a year from now it might be tomorrow but like eventually you'll find someone and you'll have a new partner and a new relationship to move on to do you feel how does how does the relationship and kind of the standard that was set in terms of like that deep relation that deep love that you felt with tom like how do you think that will influence what you're looking for or what you need out of a relationship going forward because like you're saying there like you've you fully understood you got to a point where like you understood exactly what love meant none of the yeah. airy fairy nonsense of you know oh yes yeah, it's, it's easy to love someone when you're like looking the nines going out on a date and everything else but <laughs> you know when you're going through like the trolls the trials and tribulations of cancer it's a lot harder so when you've got yeah. to that level now so you know what that is and you know how that feels a lot of people never never know that they can get into their 60s and 70s and they never really understand how that feels and that's why you see them jumping from relationship to relationship because they're always looking for that better thing do you feel like yeah. that's going to like real really Im impact how you look at relationships going forwards and like and and, and boy potential boyfriends or partners going forwards yeah i i do i think 
I do think that sometimes I feel like how, how is anything ever going to like live up to that? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I think it would be very hard. Um, like one, like you say, once you've already had something like that, it's, yeah, I don't, how you, how are you supposed to like find that again? Yeah. Did it- Cause yeah, I think it would just, you'd just, yeah, like one, yeah. How does something like live up to that? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Do you, did you ever, did you ever speak to Tom about it? Like what, what yeah. your future would look like? Obviously not the day after, don't get me wrong, but you know, in time, yeah. like what, did he ever tell you, look, I, I don't want you to like sit and wallow for the rest of your life. Like I do. Want, yeah. Did you ever have that conversation? Yeah, literally like, and that's such a testament to like the kind of person he was. He said it to me so many times and I'd always shut it down and be like, I don't want to talk about it, yeah. but now I'm really like grateful because he said it a loads of times. He he would say like, I'd want you to move on. Like I'd want you to live your life and things like that. So now I, I feel like it is nice because I've had, I've like had the, um, uh, what's the word? I've like had that from him. So I know mm-hmm. that it would be fine. Even, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's yeah. I didn't want to like talk about it with him at the time, but I'm, it's, it's nice that he has said that to me. Like he's, he said it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the kind of person that he was like, yeah. Yeah. Thinking about me and, wanting like yeah the best for me for sure because i because i don't honestly don't know if it was the other way around if i would be able to like sit there and say that to him like yeah i'd want you to find someone else like i find <laughs> that really hard yeah so that it must have been hard for him to say that yeah i think most of us would find it hard to say that but like you said like when you fully like when you fully love someone like completely then you, and like you were saying before, you know, you worry about them even in your own worst times. I mean, he's going through terminal cancer and like, he's worrying about like what your future will look like and how you're feeling and how you're going to get over this and so on and so forth. And that's, that to me is like the definition of like true love is that he is literally in the worst situation a human can be. And he's not even thinking about himself. He's like worried about what, how you're (laughs) going to get through this and, and so on. And that must be nice though, to feel like, I don't want to say permission, but for want of a better word, I will use that. Like he give, gave you that permission so that you can like, whenever it is that you do move on and you find a new partner, you can do that guilt free and not wonder, oh shit, am I like disrespecting Tom's honor or the relationship that we had and so on. I feel like I have a bit of an extra, like almost like standard as well, because if I do meet someone else, I'll be thinking if he would like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah, I feel like I'd, I'd definitely feel guilty. If, I would never like want to let someone treat me like shit because he would be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Cause he'll be like looking down on you being like, I know I told you that you could move on with someone, but not with this dickhead. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, th- I think he, I think he actually said at one point, like, just make sure they're not a dickhead. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> sound advice to be fair um definitely <laughs> sound advice um i want to ask uh well actually this is jim's question um he says does love transcend the physical body um and obviously 
when things would have got really dire the last maybe months or weeks of the relationship like you know the intimate part of the relationship i'm sure was basically either hard to come by or, or non-existent but does do you feel like that, that love transcended that physical body and that you were able to like it didn't affect your relationship because again a lot of people our age that's like the the utmost thing it's the number one thing and like if that doesn't go well yeah. or they're not feeling or whatever they can very often kind of throw a relationship away for that's for just for the yeah. physical part of it not kind of working 100 percent as they hoped yeah i think that's a good point i think um the last like few months i think it was just different like i think love was shown in like different ways like mm. he he um i was basically not just me but obviously he lived with me so most of my time was spent looking after him so like he couldn't he couldn't move like one half of his body right so i would be like helping him get dressed or helping him do everything everything i was helping him do it and i feel like that's like kind of an act of love yeah and then he'd like obviously it's difficult for him he couldn't really communicate either he was um struggling to speak properly because of where his tumor was but he would find ways of like saying that he loved me or thanking me and things like that mm -hmm. and he'd still like hook people with one arm mm -hmm. um and then also was it, yeah i think as well like when he couldn't speak properly like being able to know what he was saying or needed was i feel like that was love as well yeah. <laughs> like do you know what i mean that like telepathic understanding. being able to still communicate like it was hard at times like i oh, i didn't always know and he would get frustrated and i completely understand that because it must have been awful but i obviously tried my best and a lot of the time I, I think i was able to understand like what he needed or what he was trying to say and i think i think that is love as well mm. like being able to communicate in a different way yeah yeah, yeah. I guess it's just no, I guess it's just knowing somebody that well, yeah. and you let, know like the physical cues and everything. Yeah, I always think yeah. I always think a good kind um, of like a good test of if you're like truly like know someone and truly comfortable with them is if you can like share silences. And obviously, I don't yeah. mean it in Tom's way. You know, it's, that's awful that like he couldn't speak at times, or whatever. But what I mean is that there, you see people where they have they only feel comfortable when they're complete there's always conversation there's always like someone speaking but whenever there's like a bit of silence they feel awkward and they feel like that silence has to be filled yeah. and i realized yeah. um quite a while ago a couple of years ago that like sometimes louisa and i would like go for a date it's not like we'd never talk but like we'd go for a date and there <laughs> might be like two or three minutes where yeah. you know i mean we're just we're ha we're real comfortable in each other's like in each other's um company but there hasn't been a word spoken and it kind of tripped me out at the yeah. first few times. I was like, wait, are we like losing the spark here? Like what the fuck's happening? Like, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of got, I was like, I had to understand like, oh no, it's just that you're like so comfortable with this person that you don't need yeah. to fill it constantly with words. So, and like you said, having that yeah. understanding where like a simple eyebrow raise or like a look can like let you yeah. know exactly how that person's feeling yeah. or what they're thinking. That's something I really miss as well. Like, because obviously we lived together for like, I don't know, like two and a half years. Mm -hmm. and so it was like constant company. Yeah. 
So then obviously it's like has been really lonely with him gone. Uh But I've had, uh, it's like, I'm not short of company. Like I've got family, I've got so many friends, like I've had people over, but it's not the same kind of company. You know, when somebody's come round, you you do feel like you have to kind of host and you do want to feel the silence. And when they leave, it's like you feel a bit tired like but i just i just would miss like having the company and like not really talking just doing your own thing yeah, yeah. somebody else is there yeah yeah because I, I i feel like i'm just not you don't really 100 percent that comfortable with anyone else like i am like that with family but you know what i mean no, it's just 100%. a different type of comfort yeah 100 percent. that that being able to do your own thing but just knowing that like that person that that person is there but he might yeah. be he might be watching Nottingham Forest while you're watching, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race or whatever. But like the fact is that like <laughs> yeah. you're both still there. Whereas with obviously like you said, when someone comes around, you can't be like, oh just Yeah, you don't want to be there rude. and I'm just gonna like, <laughs> Netflix while uh just make your own tea. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously not. Yeah. But um for sure. Wait I want to ask a question. When you um when obviously the wedding was getting planned and stuff and you know, it's obvious that you're now gonna be a wife how did you tally obviously that must have come with huge excitement and like pride and everything else but then how did you tally that with because you were in a unique situation whereby you're getting married but you know that like your husband is going to pass away fairly soon like it most people get married and the expectation is happily ever after type vibes and then it's like well we know one of us is eventually going to die but we don't know when that is hopefully it's when we're in our late 80s or 90s type thing with you it's like i'm getting married and i know that i'm going to be a wife but in in the short term but also in the short to medium term i'm I'm now going to be a widow like how did you tally those kind of two realities i think we still we still did want to have like hope because at the time we were still looking at what other treatments he could try and just look looking for literally anything that would give like any amount of time Mm -hmm. but i think at the same time deep down i knew it was like pretty likely that um he would die quite soon yeah and but i'm trying to think back to it like i know it sounds so weird but I do think it was a such a traumatic time. I don't really actually remember it that way. Well. No, that's completely normal. We actually we spoke to someone um, like a trauma expert, and that's like really normal. Where basically your your brain actually does it to protect you. Like your brain yeah. cuts stuff out that's so traumatic to yeah, protect that, you from that's it. That's probably why, because it was such a nice day, and I remember it being a good day. But like you said about that knowing like what's probably going to happen like it was it was also like quite a traumatic day at the same time and it's just like it was just like a massive like whirlwind um but i think we just wanted to like focus on it being happy Uh yeah it's it was just like it was like happy and like a bit yeah i don't know yeah i was just all over the place really but also we didn't have that much time to think about it because of how quickly we had to sort it and it was just like there wasn't much time to like dwell on things mm. yeah that makes sense that makes 100 percent sense completely how how do you feel um that your relationship with tom has uh changed or i don't really know how to put it but you know now that he's obviously not with you um physically speaking 
but maybe spiritually you might feel some connection still i don't know how spiritual you are or whether you feel that way but yeah do you feel like are you one of those people that are now that he's not in the living realm that's it the relationship's completely over or do you kind of still feel like even though physically he's not there and you can't have a conversation with him sat on the sofa but do you still feel like there is a level of connection there and you still feel like he is with you in some in some way yeah that's such a hard question because I go back and forth all the time like I've always been that kind of person that thinks like people are still with us Uh and they'll they'll hear you and like they'll be there with you and I I think I I do think that but sometimes I actually feel like I, I sometimes I feel like I go the other way and start thinking like no you're just when when you're gone you're gone and I think that's a bit of a coping mechanism Mm. because um it is kind of, e- it, it's a weird one, like, I do want him to still be around, but if I'm, like, thinking that he's, like, somewhere else, I just, like, want to be there, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, if I just think, like, he's gone, mm-hmm. then there's no, there's, I'm not, like, missing out on, like, I don't know, like, potentially being with him. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes, and yeah, 100%, and make surely must make it easier in your own mind the the even thought of potentially moving on like if you have it in your head like black and white like no tom's gone then that even though tom had the conversations with you like we mentioned before like it makes it yeah. easier whereas if you kind of feel like you are still connected then that must still hurt because obviously you're still like in love with him of course you are yeah it is it is weird and like i I do feel still feel connected. I think I always will. Like it, I'll never not like love him. Yeah. So I think it's it's so weird, but I can't even imagine it the other way around. Like I couldn't imagine being with someone who's had a wife who's died mm-hmm. because you will be with that person, but you know that they still love someone else. Yeah. And like, you just have to kind of accept that. Yeah. And like. I'll never like stop talking about him or stop thinking about him. So if I did end up with someone else, like they'd have to understand that. Mm. Like it wouldn't just be like forgotten about because if I'm with someone else, like. Yeah. It's not like he's an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. 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 I think. But it's not, it's obviously not like you're with two people. No, no, no. (laughs) And, and like accepting the fact that like, it's kind of awkward because it's like, well, if Tom was still here, like I'd be with him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of a bit. I, yeah, I think I heard um, I heard someone talking about love, and they had kids, um, and before that they had kids, and their friend was telling them, "Oh, I just wait, man, it's such a trip. Like it makes you into a, a different person. Like you won't believe the change that happens when you have a kid." It's unbelievable, yada, yada, yada. And then the guy said that when he had a child, he realised that what it do- does is it expands the capacity that you have for love. And I mm. think you can kind of extrapolate that to not only having children, but I think you can extrapolate that to having, like, true, true love, whereby if you, like, you obviously loved Tom, and that love is, I feel like it's, you it expands your capacity as Emma to love people. Like it makes your heart yeah. bigger in a sense. So then if you were then to, you know, have a partner in the future, it's not as if those loves 
let's call this other person Harry just for just to make it easy. It's not as if your love for Harry is then competing with the love yeah. for Tom. They just live side by side. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. if you have it, we don't have kids, but I know you have dogs and I have a dog. It's like <laughs> if you had another dog, it doesn't now mean that you love the new dog more than the old dog. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, that's a that's a good point. They live together, but you yeah. and it's just like but it is like you said, you have to that other person has to respect that fact and make it yeah. like they can't be asking questions or like hoping that eventually you love them more or whatever the case may be because yeah that wouldn't, yeah that's not gonna, that's not really gonna ever happen um, yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, that's an odd one do, do you ever think um like do your friends like your girlfriends and stuff do they like are you kind of the the person that they come to with like all these relationship like woes and every, anytime like one of their mates might be messing around like or, or their partner or whatever like are you the the person like let's go and talk to emma she'll fucking know what to tell us she's like the oracle i don't no <laughs> i don't think so because i think i don't mean this in a like condescending way but uh, every like at mine and tom's relationship for the from the, the day he was diagnosed like it was really different. Like we just had different issues to mm. most like, of my friends and their partners. Like we were dealing with things like, um, should we have a child or should we try and live normally? Yeah. Or what type of chemo should he have? Yeah. Or like, should we like research this drug or should we just try and get on with our lives? And like, or, you know, is it, should we, should he go into hospital because this is wrong? And then mm -hmm. like, it was like just different problems yeah. and then also like my obviously because a lot of my friends are in relationships but the ones who aren't they would need advice about things like fuck boys and like <laughs> yeah. being messed around and like they won't come to me for that because i have no experience in that because i've had a boyfriend since i was 15 yeah. so <laughs> yeah the complete opposite yeah. of a fuck boy absolutely <laughs> gentleman um yeah how how i'm sure you're still kind of in it to some extent but how did you deal with the process of grief and did the process start somewhat before he actually ever passed away like knowing that he was yeah did that actually mean that the grief started beforehand or or yeah how did that whole process yeah it did my counselor said at, at the very beginning when he was diagnosed she said she could see me going through all the stages then right but i don't think i was like grieving him i think i was just grieving like all the i think i was just grieving like everything that we had before and everything that i thought we was going to have in the future yeah and then when he obviously then he got quite a bit better but then when he got poorly again i think i started it again mm -hmm. it's like I was a bit different that time. I tried to be positive at the beginning mm -hmm. and I was, did, I did my denial thing again. Yeah. Cause I remember him saying that his like leg felt like he, it was like heavier than the other one. And I was like, you're just paranoid, but actually like it, what, there was something wrong with it. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, when he got really poorly, like you do when, when, <laughs> When I, I, I was there like 24 seven, so I was seeing literally everything. I was seeing him like in pain. Mm -hmm. The pain was the worst because you know, when somebody's in, in pain, like yeah. you would do anything to just stop it. So I think I, I, I did, I did get to a point where I accepted, like, I think he is going to die. And I think I always thought like, I will never like be that person that like 
gives up mm-hmm. and I don't think I gave up but when you've watched someone become exactly how they didn't want to be yeah. like completely lost all independence constantly in pain yeah. can't speak can't hardly move like you do get to a point where you just you want them to be like free of it yeah. like you just want it to stop so and like I just I didn't want to keep being like oh yeah he's gonna get better because it was like just becoming really clear like he was sleeping like 20 hours a day so I think my priorities just changed a little bit and I was just like he needs to be it needs to be like as peaceful as it can be and like as comfortable as it can be right so I think so yeah I think what you start the process then when you realize but not everybody i don't think that happened with everybody like not everybody accepts it no because they might go home and like not see all of it and they might think well maybe he will get better Mm -hmm. but i yeah i do think i started grieving a bit before which i think people don't realize um but it's like you said you can you don't have to necessarily grieve the person you can grieve like you said future hopes and grieve past experiences like you know what you what you were used to before this shit show of a diagnosis came like you were used to like this amazing relationship and it's normal i think to grieve that even if tom was alive or not alive you know it and and your future hopes you've grown up together probably talking about oh we're gonna move here we're gonna have a kid here and tom's like oh yeah i can't wait to have take them to nottingham forest and you're like yeah i mean you would have had those conversations of course you would have so it's normal to grieve the fact that you no longer can have all of those plans that you that you would have normally been able to um yeah do you think it's changed you kind of mentioned it before how you said um you don't you used to be a person who planned all the time and now you just take it a day as every day as it comes has it changed your um your outlook on life to some extent has it made you want to kind of grab it by the horns and and like really just make the most out of it because like you said you don't know what's going to come around the corner um or has it made and how, how has your relationship with death as well how has that changed yeah it's it's made me um a little bit like more carefree in a weird way Mm -hmm. like i just don't care about many things anymore because i just feel like like not long after tom died like a few months later i was like made redundant from my job right but i was just like this is shit but like worse things have happened yeah and like i'll find something else whereas before that would have really stressed me out yeah so i feel like obviously it's not good to like not care about anything but it's kind of it is it is good to um not stress about the things that don't really matter um like i don't get stressed about work and things because i just like i've been through worse like worse things can happen um what was the what was it what was the other thing and then, and then the other question was ha, has it changed your relationship with death just because oh, yeah 
I feel like a lot of us, obviously we all know that eventually some point in our lives it will come to an end or some point in the lives of our loved one, be that parents, brothers, sister, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, eventually we will lose loved ones and we will die ourselves. But not many mm. of us have, especially like at a young age, have like a real close relationship where, like you said, you're you're there on a daily basis, like you're seeing like it happen daily, gradually. Does that make you... Did it kind of alleviate any fears that that you have towards death? Does it make you accept it easier? Like, I don't know, does it, does it, has it changed, like, your relationship with the way you see it? Mm, I don't know. Like, I feel like, if anything, it might be worse because a lot of... I've spent a lot of time thinking, like what's ha like where what happens when you die like where is he mm -hmm. like where what's happened and then also i've spent a lot of time thinking like why has he died and yeah. i'm still here like how's that fair like who decides that do you know what i yeah, mean and then um sometimes i just randomly think like because obviously tom was like the person the closest to me so it's really hard, like, losing the one person who'd probably, like, console you the most if mm. anything goes wrong. Right. So I've, like, lent on other people a lot, like my mum and dad, but then it makes me think, like, oh, my God, imagine if I, like, lost one of them. I think it makes me, like, even more scared. Yeah. Um, and also, like, watching somebody slowly die... Mm. Like, I just didn't realise, like, how actually that like, brutal that is. And, like, everyone says it's peaceful and it was in the end. But I feel like for a few days it was really not peaceful. Yeah. Like, it was horrendous. Yeah. It's just made me realise, like, how cruel it can be. Mm. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I um have, like, a little... Not confession, so to speak, but... I was talking to Jim about um like tom and you and and so on and this is after tom passed away and i was like i never knew emma that well uh, i'm going to talk about you as if you weren't here but and I, I never knew emma that well she was just always tom's girlfriend but we didn't like go to the same school because you obviously and went to the girls school and whatever else and i was like i never really knew her that well but i feel like i don't know i feel like i do want to check 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 up on her and like check in on her and you know just see how she's doing and so forth but I always felt, and I'm sure a lot of people who probably listened to this felt the same way, that oh, I don't want to kind of like bug her. And I'm sure she has <laughs> enough friends and she obviously has her parents and Tom's family as well who are there to, you know, ask the questions, how are you doing and, and be there for you. But yeah, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I just wish I, I wanted to text you or like whatever or say, hey, look, I know I'm sure you have a million other people who you'd rather talk to than me, but just to let you know that like I am thinking of you and I hope you're still doing well because I know that like from doing this podcast and from speaking to people, like this isn't, the grief isn't like a, a two month thing and then all of a sudden you're over it and yeah. then you can just like go on your merry way. I know it takes sometimes a lifetime. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wondered like for anyone who was listening, um, who maybe was in the same predicament that I was in, who doesn't get to have this opportunity to speak to you and, you know, record or have an hour-long conversation. Yeah. Like, would you have appreciated them reaching out to you or would you have preferred them to kind of, like, let you deal with it the way that you want to deal with it? 
No, I, I should have said really, like, I do feel like out of a lot of people, like, especially like Tom's friends, you, you I feel like you did check in on me a lot. And I, I never actually told you, but I am really grateful for that. It was like, it felt really nice to have people like asking how I am, especially like quite a lot of people did send me a message and I always thought that was just really nice. Mm. But it, it, it meant a lot as well when people would still kind of like, check in like a few months later and stuff not just like straight after but um obviously everyone's different like some people might just want to like shy away and not really deal with messages but I I just think like I just found anyone messaging I just thought it was really nice and like if I would say just it's probably better to say something than even if you think like you might gonna say the wrong thing it's probably better to just say something if you feel like you want to and if the person doesn't want to deal with it like they just won't reply like just i mean you could even just say like you don't have to reply yeah but i always just thought um it's really nice yeah it's nice to know that like i don't know i guess it's just nice to know that people are thinking of you yeah. in a weird way no no of course um yeah i think i think that's definitely like this podcast has definitely brought that i mean last week we released um a podcast with a girl a woman called rian mannings um and she like lost her son and her husband in like the same week and like we were talking about and like you get to like you know i've lost my grandparents and stuff but not quite the same you know it's not quite as traumatic it's more expected and you get to understand that like yeah you have those people right who text you straight after an event happens whatever that event may be a breakup or whatever but the kind of ramifications of of those events last a lot longer than like a week or whatever later yeah and i do feel like i never wanted to be the person who would say oh, i'm here for you if you ever need anything yada 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 and then that'd be it i'd ghost and then you'd ne literally just never hear from me ever again because i i understand that things take a long time and again it can take a lifetime and it's important to know that like when someone said that oh like i'm here if you want to talk to me if you want to just whatever that they actually mean that and i think sometimes the person who's yeah. grieving needs that reminder you know because you yeah. might feel guilty about like even if i've told you hey emma i know you've got a million friends who are in front of me and everything else but if you ever wanted to talk to me about anything just yeah. you know text me or pick up the phone or whatever if i said that on august the 8th but then you feel really bad on november the 20th and you actually go yeah hey, you know what i actually kind of would like to talk to seb because my other friends are too close to me about this subject or whatever but you might feel guilty yeah. about reaching out to me because it's been three months since I sent you that text. Do you know what I mean? So then I feel like that's yeah. important to just let that person know. It, it is good to ask because sometimes you don't realise you like need to talk to someone yeah. until they like ask how you are. Yeah. And um, what you said about like people being too close is true as well because obviously I have lent on my mum a lot and I've lent on Tom's mum a lot, but... Mm. I don't like to do that too much because I don't want to, like, upset them. Yeah. Because I know, like, me being hurt is going to, like, hurt my mum because it's the same, like, that's what it's like, you know, with your children. And it's same with Tom's mum. And so sometimes it isn't. That's what always why, like, having a counsellor is nice. But also, like, it is quite nice. Sometimes I like speaking to people who didn't even know Tom yeah. because I know they're not really gonna be like emotionally attached to it and i can just completely like say how i feel and i'm not gonna like upset them yeah yeah, yeah. no it's important and yeah. 
and what you said about grief not being like a two-month thing is so true as well mm. and I, I think I've realized that because I I just like I think what I do is I just try to like be busy and not think about it too much so like going back to work for me was really helpful yeah. but then it's like times like now when I have a bit of time off yeah I just feel like literally the same as I did before like because it because I'm not busy I have the time to think about it again and it makes me realize like it literally doesn't go away like you just like you just think about it less I suppose and you get busy with life but like when you do feel it it feels exactly the same yeah. like it just doesn't stop yeah I think um like maybe one of the best ways to I don't know I don't want to say the best way but one of the ways that I look at it is that you don't move on from it or get over it as like a lot of people say but like you just learn to live with it a bit better you know yeah. like you learn to like you said get on with your daily chores and get on with your job and you know meet your friends out and not being like a crying mess three yeah. years down the line but that doesn't mean that three years down the line you might not cry because you might do like something yeah. you might just like a smell or a plate of food mm. or an image or whatever that reminds you of tom um yeah could like just trigger it and you might have a little cry there and then but what i mean is that like you on, on a normal day-to-day -day basis you can kind of deal with it a bit better but it doesn't mean you've got over it it's just i think it just means that you've learned to live with it yeah exactly yeah yeah um well i'm really glad um that you came on and i got to have this conversation with you i know a lot of people kind of looking forward to hearing no pressure but uh, <laughs> we're, we're looking forward uh, to listening to this one because i think your story i mean it is a hollywood story in some ways like uh, i don't want to trivialize it but and i think it doesn't you know it, it captures people um because they see how much you guys loved each other and yeah, and I know that a lot of people wanted to kind of hear how you were getting on with it and how you kind of dealt with that whole situation because, like you said, you were the one person who saw it on a day-to-day -day basis more than anyone else. So you yeah. had a kind of a unique position there. Um, obviously not one that you would have wanted, but the cards we get dealt, yeah. I guess. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say that I maybe didn't ask any questions that allowed you to, to say something or, or any points that you wanted to make? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe just like, I probably just want to mention like Tom's parents yeah. and family because I, I, I was like looking after him on a daily basis, but they all like helped massively. Like his mum and dad were around every single day. Like the, obviously, like I said about my mum, mm -hmm. the love, from my mum for me like when I'm hurting she's hurting yeah. like they would have felt exactly the same with what having to watch Tom be like that and Tom's auntie would go home and like literally spend hours like on the internet trying to look for like any kind of treatment or any kind of drug that he could try and his grand and granddad would do that as well so yeah. I don't know just like give them a mention yeah for sure no 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 for sure of course um <laughs> all right Emma well I really really appreciate it and uh, thanks so much for um for coming on it's um it's been yeah, well worth the wait. Thank you for asking me. Hi guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review if you haven't already. Every review helps us climb the podcast charts so that even more of you can listen to our amazing guests. We really appreciate the support. Remember to tune in next week, but until then, keep safe and have a good one.